Whew. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. Let's get this started. Season 1 of Soul Operator is based on gameplay of the Solo TTRPG, Welcome to the Habit Trails, by A. Yoland, and is distributed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. Like the game, this season will feature horror-typical themes as well as isolation, derealization, grief, and paranoia. For episode-specific trigger warnings, or to purchase the game for yourself, check out the description of the episode. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 1 The Awakening The Awakening The Awakening The Awakening Come on Come on <sighs> The lights on I think it's working It would really suck if this isn't working If I have to re-record this I think I might actually lose my mind Well more than I've already lost it, which, to be clear, there isn't much left for me to lose. You know, past me could have really spent more time googling random stuff, like how to use a tape recorder. Maybe, maybe I did? I, I guess I wouldn't know. It's not exactly intuitive. Anyway. <clears throat> there are exactly two things that I'm completely sure of, and two things only. My name, it's Tessa Whitlock, and I'm 22 years old. I don't even know when my birthday is, isn't that strange? I don't remember who gave me my name, where I was born, what I did for work. Most importantly, I don't know where I am, or how I got here. I woke up on the hardwood floor of the living room. My body ached as though I'd been laying there for hours, raised patterns pressed into my skin like scarring. Once I started to blink the sleep out of my eyes, the first thing I noticed was that I didn't recognize anything around me. The second realization came swiftly, crushing any other thought that had started to form. I couldn't remember anything at all. At first, I was worried that maybe I'd concussed myself into amnesia, but from what I could tell, I was completely unharmed. Usually, that would be a relief. In that moment, though, it was unnerving. Most people's first reaction would probably be to panic, and I was holding true to that. I couldn't remember anything. No, wait. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. It's like if someone just reached in and pulled out everything that makes me, me, leaving only the most basic pieces of information. The nerves under my skin felt like they were vibrating. Kind of like when you're tipsy. Your head is swimming and there's a heaviness settling into your cheeks. You can feel that your hands are shaking. You can see your hands are shaking there's a disconnect, a lag in the information traveling to your brain. They are your hands, but 
are they? Is your body really your body? Your mind really your mind? Mine doesn't really feel like it anymore. It's like I was implanted here in the body of a stranger. And I'm not a little kid. I have to have existed for 22 whole years. That's over 8,000 days of lived experience that I just don't have anymore. Laying it all out like that, I'm handling this a lot better than some other people in my situation. And there are other people in my situation, but I'm getting ahead of myself. When I finally managed to pull myself together as best I could, I got a good look at the living room from my place on the floor. Uncanny Valley isn't typically attributed to places, at least in my mind. Usually it's those weirdly realistic mannequins in the mall or those horrifying stop-motion Christmas specials. See, how, how weird is it that I remember those things but not what school I went to? Have I traveled a lot? Do I have any siblings? I'm sorry, I... I just have so many questions. Questions that no one can answer for me. It feels like I'm an unwilling observer of humanity with echoes of knowledge that are just enough to tell me that I'm missing so much. So much of what makes me human. So the living room was uncanny. Like I got dropped into a Wayfair catalog. Not to say that it wasn't nice, it was in an objective way, in a this is a display in Ikea kind of way. Nice couch, nice rug, nice coffee table, weird-looking tree lamp in the corner. <sighs> Ominous words scratched into the wall. Yeah, so my third realization was all the more concerning. Welcome to the Habit Trails is etched into my wall. Scratched is a more apt word, I think. Um, the lines that form the words are misshapen and jagged as if done in a hurry. Maybe with a sharp stick or something like that. Not the warmest welcome ever, but it did the job, I guess. The rest of the house was just as wrong as the living room. And by wrong, I mean largely normal, but not quite right. For example... Besides the living room and the kitchen, there are no other rooms downstairs. There are blank stretches of wall where someone might expect there to be a door, but instead, there's just... nothing. The decorations don't quite fit together either. It's, it's like a thrift store and a bed, bath, and beyond threw up in here. Some of the stuff, like the weird tree lamp in the corner, looks like it belongs in a Great Wolf Lodge or some other themed hotel slash water park. N not a house. There are two bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs. One of them's locked, and I definitely don't know how to pick a lock, and not just because I've lost my mind. The other one's quaint. Can't complain too much about it. Um, <laughs> you know, except for the fact that there are no windows. Forget blackout curtains. Enjoy the pitch-black darkness of drywall and whatever else houses are made of. The hallway leading up to the locked bedroom was inexplicably empty. It's like when you load into a new area in a game and the assets just don't load right. Not even the light switches work over there. 
part of me wonders if that just means that the area isn't active yet. Habit Trails is the name of the neighborhood, I soon found out. And this is a neighborhood, I'm not just in a house in the middle of nowhere. Once I'd been sufficiently creeped out by the upstairs, I hurried back down to the living room and what looked to be the only sunlight in the house. I peeked out of the windows and I was met with houses across the street and to either side of me. It wasn't the best vantage point, but there was no way I was going outside. Not yet. From what I could tell, inside the house, I was safe. Nothing had jumped out and tried to kill me. Yet. I really tried not to think about the fact that the houses all look the exact same. I was sitting on the couch, just staring. After taking stock of the house and its amenities, there was nothing to distract my mind from the reality of the situation. I wondered what I must have done in my life to lead me to this moment. Am I being punished? Is this what it means to be forsaken by whatever higher power decided that it was entitled to me? Did that even matter? It didn't take long for me to meet the neighbors. It took maybe 30 minutes after I'd woken up for someone to knock on my door. When I looked out of the peephole, I was surprised to see a normal human boy. He had a backpack in his hand, and he must have heard me shuffling behind the door because he waved at the peephole and smiled in a charmingly sheepish way. I was slow to open the door, obviously suspicious, and there was no denying the twinge of fear that pulsed every so often in the pit of my stomach. He introduced himself as Nathan Sutter from the house to my left, but that I could just call him Nate. He looked to be around my age, if a bit older. Much taller than me, but that wasn't exactly a challenge. His clothes hung loosely on his frame, almost drowning any discernible shape of a body in fabric. And there were bags under his eyes, which were almost completely hidden behind a pair of glasses that didn't quite suit his face. And he was real. Welcome to the neighborhood. He said, his welcome much nicer than the scary writing on the wall. He held out the backpack to me. To be honest, I was more surprised by the accent, which I will not try and replicate for you. That would get impossibly old so fast. The houses are always so disorganized when someone new moves in. It'll take you a while before you find the useful stuff, so I made you a little care package for you to help you get settled. I know this must be pretty weird. Weird? That was the understatement of the day, but I guess I have a pretty limited data set. So, sorry if I sound like I'm repeating myself about this whole no memories thing. Believe me, I was way worse the day I regained sentience. I feel like I need to keep clarifying how little I understand to you so that you, whoever you are, understands me. Well, let's be honest. If you're here, you understand, because the exact same thing happened to you. And if you aren't here, then I guess that means I made it out. Or at least the tape did, but I'm really going to hope that it was me, and that I gave you this tape as evidence. Oh, 
maybe maybe you're a movie studio or something and I'm getting paid insane amounts of money to share my story. Nate went on to tell me a little about himself. He was here with his younger brother and they'd only been here for what he could tell to be a few weeks. It wasn't like there was any real concept of time. It felt like he was trying to feed me information to cling to, to ground me in the moment. I can't imagine what I must have looked like to him. I haven't asked. The thing in the sky that's like the sun, but probably isn't the sun, goes up and down at pretty standard times, but there's no real way of keeping track. Someone tried to build a sundial one time, and the sun changed the direction that it would rise and fall from. Screwed up the whole experiment. As he was telling me the story, I noticed that there were other people around. I guess I'd been so freaked out before that I just kind of blocked them out. There were more people than I expected, just kind of existing. Walking down the road, hanging out on porches. I even saw a kid that couldn't have been older than 10 sprint past the front lawn, shooting us a quick wave. I took the backpack and I thanked him. So I guess I owe you now, huh? Not at all. None of us are going to get very far without someone else lending us a hand, so just consider this me being neighborly. There's some food in there, clothes, a few other things. I wasn't really sure what you were going to need. Oh, and there's a walkie in there. Battery operated, so it actually works. Would it not work otherwise? I asked, turning the walkie in my hand and feeling the weight of it. He was being so nice to me. The survival instinct in my brain was howling for me to interrogate him, pull as much information out of him as possible to figure out what the fuck is going on, but I hesitated. He didn't seem to know much on that front, and what good would it do him to hide what he knew from me? He answered the questions I did ask easily. Yeah, unless it's powered by gasoline or Duracell, it won't work. It's super analog. Have you seen the generator downstairs? I haven't been down there yet. If you want, I can show you how to jumpstart it in case it shuts off. Happens every so often, and it's a pain to be without light out here. Not super safe, either. I really wanted him to mean that in a you-might-trip-and-fall-on-your-face kind of way. But something in my gut told me that he meant it in a bad things could happen to you in the dark kind of way. Not, not super comforting, but I took him up on his offer. Like I said, this was all a few days ago. Since then, I've met his younger brother, Dean, but besides that, I've pretty much kept to myself. Nate mentioned that they have something like a de facto leader, Sandra. Eventually, they were going to have a get-together to introduce me to people and get me fully settled, but it seemed like everyone understood that I was going to need time. I don't know if I've ever lived alone before. I wonder if I would have been the type of person to prefer a roommate, or if the overwhelming loneliness I'm feeling right now is just a fun bonus to my self-imposed isolation. Is it possible to feel homesick for a place you can't even remember. I try not to think too much about the life I lived before this happened to me. From what I can tell, I'm a pretty okay person, so I probably had friends. Family? Do they know where I am? 
Do, do they even know anything's happened to me? Or is this a Narnia situation where I'm going to live my entire life here? And by the time I find my way back, it'll be like nothing has changed. I've called Nate on the walkie a few times in the middle of the night, and he's always awake when I do. I don't think he's okay. I mean, in the way that nobody here could possibly be okay. He's good at pretending, and he probably puts on a brave face for his little brother, but he's always awake when I call. He found a guitar on one of his supply runs, and he figured out that he actually knew how to play. He's pretty good, actually. Um, one night he started to play Wonderwall, though, and I threatened to hang up on him. Glad to see that my memory of internet culture wasn't completely obliterated. All of that aside, things are pretty okay right now. After days of disassociating and hoping for any sense of my identity to come back, I got bored, if you can believe it. You may be thinking to yourself, Tessa, why are you recording yourself? Are you really that narcissistic? And first of all, no. Ouch. You really think I'm the type of person to enjoy the sound of my own voice played back to me? I already told you I haven't completely lost my mind. Yet. No, I'm recording this because I want there to be a record of what happens to me. Even if no one ever listens to these tapes, there's a much higher chance of someone knowing my story if I do something than if I do nothing at all. I really hope that someone does listen to these tapes. I'm not religious, or at least I'm not anymore after getting my brain run through a car wash style memory scrub. But I think whoever I was would agree that you only really die when you're forgotten. So, if you're listening to this, you are directly contributing to the goal of keeping my memory alive. Go you! Doing this also just feels right, in a strange sort of way. I definitely haven't used this sort of equipment before, probably because it would have driven me insane. But telling a story sounds exactly like the sort of thing I would do. There are bigger problems for me to worry about, though. A looming threat on the horizon. This morning, I managed to get up into the attic. That place is a mess. That's not the important part, but just imagine an attic from one of those TLC shows about hoarders. The point is that from the attic, I was able to climb onto my roof. It was really scary and really precarious, but I didn't fall and I didn't die, which I would consider a win. I just wanted to get a better lay of the land, so to speak. The neighborhood seemed to go on forever. This isn't the only street. The roads seem to twist and wind with no rhyme or reason, and every house looks identical to the rest. It would be too easy to get lost if you aren't careful. The only thing is that the neighborhood doesn't go on forever. Just within eyeshot, I was able to make out what I have creatively dubbed the fog. Surrounding us on every side, there is a thick, lightless fog. The furthest part of it is so large that as the eternal neighborhood fades into the horizon, the fog stands tall to meet it. It swirls gently in the wind, but it doesn't change. 
I don't like looking into it. Anyway. Since there's no such thing as a calendar anymore, consider this day one. Yeah, yeah, okay, I know I woke up a few days ago, but those days don't exist to you since I didn't record them. And you can't blame me for that, I only found the tape recorder this morning. Let's all try not to think too hard about the chances of me finding this tape recorder. These tapes, bundled up neatly right in the middle of the attic where they definitely weren't when I went up onto the roof. Things appear and disappear all the time, according to Nate, so... Why should I worry about what might be listening? Yeah, good idea, Tessa. Oh, eh, no, 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 this is not going to be past me talking to future me. That would get way too meta, way too quickly. Uh, so, this is just me talking to you. Nice to meet you. You? I'm... I'm really scared. I don't want this to be where I die. <clears throat> I really hope you are a movie producer. This episode featured Tatiana Gefter as Tessa Whitlock, with editing and music by Jay Stroutman. For more information regarding our show, please check out our social medias under Soul Operator Pod. Season 1 of Soul Operator is sponsored by Nave of Cups. Nave of Cups is an online shop dedicated to supporting inclusion and creativity in the tabletop role-playing community. They carry cards, puzzles, and role-playing games from independent artists and creators all around the globe, including Welcome to the Habit Trails. Use promo code SOUL to take $5 off your next order of $25 or more at knaveofcups.com. A special thank you to our patrons, Tay Tay Hey Hey, Probs Not Hawkeye, Lumi, and Alice N. Wrights. You all help keep the show affordable to produce, and we could not be more thankful for your support. To join them and hear your own name at the end of an episode, check out our $5 and up tiers on our Patreon at www.patreon forward slash soul operator pod dot com.